Don't mind your business. Mind my podcast, Mind Elixir. Hello, my name is Ioka and welcome back or welcome to or welcome back to this episode of the pod. Today, I have a very wonderful guest, Nabila Eve. She's a teenage creator based in Texas, and she's had a blog, YouTube channel, and loves to work towards positive change. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm happy it's Friday. I When do you put out episodes? Can I, I say put, time stuff? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I put them out on Wednesdays. Okay. Well, yeah, I've I've been doing pretty okay, all things considered. Okay, great to hear that. And um, the first thing I wanted to know was how did you get started started as a content creator on social media? Yeah, so my way back beginning was um, when I was actually nine years old in third grade, which is crazy to think about now. I was such a child. Not that I'm not a child now, but, you know, um, one of my friends had a blog and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And then his mom actually had a blog and then both of my parents had blogs like for their works. And so I was like, yes, this is something I need to do. So I started that. I didn't really post that often. It was very bad around like 2016. So three years later, I actually started putting out like, okay content on the blog. Um, And then when I turned 13, so I guess that was also in 2016, 2016 was just a year. Um, I got an Instagram and so I started really liking that. And then I guess last year I kind of quit my blog and I totally changed to doing just Instagram. Um, I also did YouTube for a year, but I decided that was way too time consuming and hard. Although I like editing, but (laughs) alas, high school. (laughs) Yes. So, wow, you got a really early start to all of that. Yeah, it's kind of insane. I guess I've been online for like seven years, which it's so weird to think about. Yeah. And um, can you tell me a little bit about the work you've done at Generation Ratify and, you know, what it's for and what's what it's about? Yeah, so I am the uh, creative director for the Texas branch of Generation Ratify. And Generation Ratify is the youth-led movement to ratify the ERA. And, uh, oh my God, I totally forgot our, we have like, it's not a slogan, but hold on one moment. (laughs) I want to get it right. Okay. Generation Ratify is the student-led movement to ratify the ERA, advocate equality, and promote civic engagement. So Generation Ratify actually started in Virginia, um, and their whole thing was ratifying the ERA, which is the Equal Rights Amendment, um, which basically says that you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. And the Equal Rights Amendment goes way back, but it hasn't been ratified yet. which is (laughs) annoying, which is why we're fighting for that. And we believe that like, we need to have this hard line, hard line basis of equality in the constitution, because even though there are a lot of laws protecting women and women's rights, um, those can easily be taken away if people are like, you know what, don't like that anymore. But if we get an actual 
amendment to the Constitution, that's something that's a lot harder to take away. Um, and it would really, yeah, like establish that hard line, um, which I feel like is really important. But we also do a lot of other kind of work um, this year. Wait, what was the question? I just asked, like, what do you do at Generation Ratify and what's, what is it about? Yeah, so my job is I am basically in charge of, like, the social media aspect of the Texas branch. So y'all can go follow us if, if you want. It is generationratify.tx. And um, this year we did a lot of stuff for campaigns with the 2020 election. So um, we hosted our elect equal justice cohort where we got, I believe it was like almost 40 people to commit to doing um, hours a week of phone banking for uh, equality candidates here in Texas. So um, we fight for we fight for candidates that um, promote equality and also fight and fight for equality. And we also do education work um, talking about like important bills and like things that fellow youth activists should know about. Yeah, that's so interesting. I actually didn't, I actually wasn't aware that, what, what did you call it? The Equal Amendments Bill wasn't passed. So that's uh, the ERA. The ERA. Oh, ERA. Yeah. That the ERA wasn't passed. So that's definitely a great thing that you're working towards. Yeah, we really hope, like, with the new, because do you want me to get, like, into the history of it? I don't know if that's interesting. You can just cut it out if you don't like it. So basically, like, the reason, so Virginia was the last state needed to ratify it because to get a, like, constitutional amendment, I think you need, like, 28 states. Um, or maybe it's third, whatever. We got the number now, um, because Virginia ratified it like earlier in the year. So the only reason that it hasn't actually been passed is because there was this deadline set on it by Congress when it was like originally made. And so that deadline has been passed, but it's like I'm pretty sure deadlines to the like deadlines to amendments have not something that's really been done before and it's just really dumb especially when like everyone has said that they want it like we have all of the states needed so that's why it hasn't been passed but um we're we're hoping with like the new administration that it will hopefully happen uh but gotta keep that pressure up i didn't know it was a thing until I found Generation Ratify like six months ago, I guess. So yeah, it's crazy. I love seeing youth-led organizations, um, especially activist-based ones. That's so um, cool, so cool. So how do you balance yeah. managing um, Generation Ratify along with all of your schoolwork and your social life? Um, so honestly, I don't know if I would have joined Generation Ratify if not for like the pandemic and everything because I joined over the summer. But how I manage it is a lot of lists. <laughs> um, I use two main systems. I use Notion, which is like this crazy advanced, um, I guess, productivity system, but they have so much stuff like they have journals and all this kind of stuff. I mainly just use this one list where like I put in all of my assignments 
and then I'll like give them tags and stuff. And so it'll order it by like how pressing it is to do it and like the due date and stuff. So that's how I do with like assignments and whatnot. And then I also use Todoist for my daily to-do list. Um, and Todoist is awesome. It has reoccurring reminders. So I never forget anything. I'll be like every two weeks, I don't know, clean something. <laughs> um, so that's how I keep organized with that. I guess balancing it all. A lot of it is prioritizing things. Like I have to realize like that's not worth it or like sometimes you just got to go faster. Um, the calendar, great Google calendar. I for some reason get surprised every time someone my age tells me that they don't use a calendar and I don't know why I keep getting surprised. Like I should just but if you were listening to this and you don't use a calendar, if you're not like seven, go use one because it's lovely. You will never, I guess you, you could still miss something, but a lot better than if you don't have one. Um, what was the original question? <laughs> I was just asking how you balance life in it with um, all the things you're part of. Yeah. So to-do lists. Um prioritizing things like by deadline and things like that and also putting away my phone I am such I'm like I'm a self-proclaimed productivity nerd so I'm definitely not always that does not mean I'm always productive though I say that and people are like that's not true I'm not trying to say I'm always productive but something that has really helped me especially lately is just like limiting my phone usage because a lot of time, like during the first, I guess like couple of weeks of online school, I was definitely like, oh yes, I have time to go, go on Instagram now in this like 10 minutes that we're not doing anything. But I realized that it's a lot better. I've actually, I've been trying to delete Instagram off of my phone. The thing is with my work with Generation Notify and stuff like that, I still have to have it. But like during the day, I'll delete it just because that's like the only way for me not to use it, I guess, because I'm a little obsessed. Um, but it's just so much better to have like focus groups of time where you do something. Uh, like if I'm going to go on Instagram, I'll give myself like 30 minutes at the end of the day, right? Instead of doing it like in between classes and whatnot, where I could be doing schoolwork because my mind is already on school. And also one of the things that have really helped me, especially lately, is just having like an hour in the morning to really, I mean, I guess it's like a little morning routine. Um but after like getting ready and eating breakfast and stuff, I love to, I like to check everything and like plan out my day and like check Slack messages and emails and like texts and all that stuff. And through like learning about productivity, um, it's a lot better to like check all of your messages and whatnot, like at one time because you're focused on one task. So it's like gets your mind into it or something. Um, you probably know more about this than me. But oh my God, what was I saying? Yeah, so I just like I like to do that and like plan out my day. And I have a little whiteboard. I use online to do systems mostly to remind me to do stuff. But lately, with like staying at home all day, I've realized that having a whiteboard right in front of my computer really helps because then I'm seeing my tasks. Um, and like they can't 
I don't have to do anything like I don't have to turn on my phone or anything to see my to-do list. So I like to write out my to-do list in the morning along with like all the things I'm doing that day. So I know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, that's how I manage my time. To-do list, basically. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Just having a set list of tasks that you want to want to accomplish that day really helps just um, people get everything done. And I've got to admit that I actually just started using a calendar this year and it has totally helped me out with school and everything. It's lovely. I, I don't know how I, well, I guess before I used a calendar, I didn't have anything to do because I was like seven, but yeah, calendars are amazing. Just get one. And um, something at, Something else I'd like to talk about was, so we all know how social media, that's like a huge platform and it can reach so many people. So how do you think social media has impacted activism? Um, I mean, there is, I feel, okay. Just like as a baseline, not baseline, I've been using that word a lot, to front this, like my response, I am very much a content creator I have been since I was nine, as I was talking about earlier. So I love social media and I love the power that it has to bring people together. Um, it can have a lot of negative impacts like on mental health and whatnot. And I think that's the kind of thing that you just need to like figure out for yourself. Um, for, activism, for activism specifically, there is performative activism. That is a thing, but I do think social media has been, it's, it's just such a good way to get people involved, especially when a lot of the youth is on social media. So this is the perfect way to connect with them. I would have never, I found Generation Ratify on Instagram. I would have never found them if not for that. Um, and I just think the thing that people do need to remember is like, you can't learn everything from the graphics, right? So like you do have to go out and actually learn these things for yourself. And something like going to a protest is a whole lot more is a whole lot more impactful um, than just you know like sharing a graphic online. But I still think it's an amazing platform. I mean, I literally do the Instagram account, right? So I clearly think it's helpful. And I just I found so many people like even not related to activism. I mean, yes, related to activism. Like a lot of the people we found for our cohort, well, not a lot, but quite a bit of the people we found for our cohort this year was through Instagram. So it's just a good, a good way to connect. But like me personally, I've met so many people online and social media has been the source of like most of my interests. Like what am I into right now? Marketing, journalism, that all stemmed from doing my blog in the beginning. So I think it's amazing. Um, it can't be the only thing, of course, but for people who maybe can't, like if their parents aren't supportive or like something like that, like they can't go out and like actually do like protests or like lobbying, um, I think it's a great platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, social media, it's like um, a very great tool for beginning activism and sharing things and bring, bringing people together, like you said. And I know mm -hmm. you identify as a feminist and um, more specifically an intersectional feminist. So what does feminism mean to you and what do you value about it? 
Yeah, so, I mean, of course, feminism means to me, right? I was actually just doing, I, so I'm in, okay, this is a side tangent, but I'm in the, I am actually an officer in the feminist club at school, and I'm actually doing a project for, for newspaper asking people what feminism means to them, so this is really funny to me, but um, of course, feminism means, I mean, base on the base, the base of it is um, equality for both men and women. But to me, intersectional feminism, feminism is, of course, like the intersections of every, all of those things. So race, um, sexuality, like religion, all of that kind of stuff. And just it's a it's equality at its core. Yeah, I keep talking and then I forget what you originally asked. So um, going more into the intersectional part of feminism, I know at the beginning of feminism, it basically, um, it wasn't as inclusive, you could say. It was basically, I, th- I believe it's called white feminism, but now it's really mm-hmm. evolved much more inclusive. So why do you think intersectionality in feminism and activism in general is just important? Yeah, it's so important. Um, I was a lot of, I mean, the ERA was spearheaded by that. I mean, they were, it was, it was like white feminism, but what was I going to say? Wait, what was your question? (laughs) I didn't even get a sentence in and then I forgot. I was just asking, um, why do you think intersectionality and feminism and activism is important? And how do you think it's really impacted the way we view feminism? Yeah, so I think keeping intersectionality in mind is so important. And just how many identities people have and how that might affect things. Yeah, I'm not, I guess I don't really have anything else. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because um, I think that there are many like varying degrees of, things that are interconnected and components of people's identity that can affect and impact their own experience and um, mm-hmm. what, or what they could be discriminated against, you know, like you said, race, sexuality, and all of that. And um, so something else I wanted to know was, in what ways do you think the patriarchy has impacted women and men or, you know, just people as a whole in terms of double standards and all of that? Ooh, oh my gosh. Okay, this is like a loaded question. How has the patriarchy patriarchy affected people? Um I mean, even still, I'm pretty sure the statistics about like CEOs and stuff are different. Um the wage gap and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, I do not know if I'm okay. To be honest, these last two questions amazing. The reason I have aspiring intersectional feminists in my bio is because I'm still learning, um, and I try to learn all the time, but I'm not perfect, and I'm not very good at speaking about actually important issues, because <laughs> I'm not very good at talking, but I should have told you that before you invited me on your podcast, that I can't talk. Oh, it's fine. Um, <laughs> you're, my first, you're my first guest, so... Ooh, okay, you're you're doing well. I did I actually did broadcast journalism for like in middle school and we did interviewing and you've you've been doing good. 
good good questions. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I don't know. Oh. I mean, I do know, but like, it's hard to put it into words, I guess. Yeah, I understand what you mean but because also, like, oh, 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 um, one answer <laughs> to how the fa- patriarchy has affected everything is women leaders, um, are just so much more scrutinized. Like I was in history today, actually, um, and we were learning about Catherine the Great, who was a um, leader in Russia. And my teacher was talking about how there are a lot of uh, rumors about her. And he he was straight up like, it's 100% male bias. None of these things, none of these things can be proven. Because she was a strong woman, they made up things about her. And I was like, oh my God, this is still happening. With Hillary Clinton, like she was, I mean, we don't need to get into Trump. I think we all agree that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. But. That's a very contentious topic. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of, she was so, so, so attacked. And even uh, Kamala and like all of the um, female candidates. Why did we end up with a boring old white man? I'm not going to say sexism is the whole reason but it's a lot of the reason and it's just so hard to be like I've talked about this with my mom numerous times so these are more her words than mine but it's about that whole like as a woman right you're supposed to be like sweet and just I don't know but like as a leader you're also supposed to be strong but then like when you're strong as a woman, like they attack you and they're like, you don't have any feelings. And I think that's, so it's hard to be a leader and it's why we still haven't had a female president. Like what the heck is that? Like we're, I'm pretty sure maybe not one of the last countries. I'm not like, I don't know the statistics, but I'm pretty sure that's not normal for like an advanced country. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like um, women in le- in leadership positions are put under more pressure and all of that, just because some people may say women are more emotional and that can and they believe that being more emotional makes you less suited for leadership positions or positions of more power. But I'm like, why can't people be both? A person can be emotional yeah, exactly. and still, yeah, still worthy of being in a leadership position and all of that. That's what you want, right? You want emotional intelligence, but also, what's the other, like, act smart intelligence, <laughs> like actual intelligence, not actual, I mean, because whatever, yes, you want both the qualities of, I don't know what I'm saying, keep going. Yeah, and um, so I know, like, one of the main reasons why many people, they're so hesitant to identify as feminists is because uh, they believe, well, is because many of the th- hateful things associated with feminists and all of that, they believe many um, messed up things about feminists. So what are some misconce- misconceptions about feminism? I mean, the biggest misconception, right, is the whole thing that like, we're all, I don't know, like we all hate men. Um, I'm pretty sure most people don't believe that anymore, hopefully. (laughs) 
but no, like, of course, feminism is about equality. Um, related to Generation Ratify, the ERA is, it's, you can't discriminate on, you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. There are actually quite a bit of ways that that would help men. Also, um, I think in stuff like, like with children and stuff, like, it would just help them as well. Um, literally, my like the person in charge of the Texas branch is a guy. His name is Marco. Shout out to Marco. I love you. Uh, you're great. But what are the misconceptions about feminism? Yeah, I guess that we all hate guys. Um, I guess that it's, well, one of them is that it, the feminist movement isn't needed, right? Um, which is so like okay I don't want to be snarky but like if the feminist movement isn't needed why have we still not had a female president as I was saying earlier um when there have been so many qualified people uh what are some of the other um well also okay I actually I just not just but I read a book about the ERA like the history of it because I was trying to you know, learn about what I'm working for and whatnot. And a lot of the things about it was like, actually, that doesn't relate to the question. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think there's um definitely that um stereotype about feminists being angry men haters and all of that. But mm -hmm. I believe what people don't realize is that Feminism is like we respect and honor any male allies, any men, male feminists, because we just want gender equality and that the patriarchy, yeah. it has also negatively impacted men as well. And we're working towards equality for men and women and um, anybody else. Well, people of all genders, too. Yeah, exactly. Because. Um, I think, yeah, such as such as stuff like I th believe you said something about um, child. Wait, something you said earlier about how um, in child custody cases the women are more likely to get the children because people just assume that women are going to be more nurturing and all of that. Mm -hmm. Even if the men, the man, man may be more qualified to take care of the child, there's a, just that yeah. bias there. The reason I didn't fully explain that is because it was from that book that I was reading about the ERA. And then I was like, you know what? A lot of these examples are from like the seventies and I don't want to say something that's wrong. <laughs> so, cause we have, we have advanced a lot, but there's still so much work to be done. Um, I mean, like with the pay gap, I was actually reading an article recently talking about how like, I don't know, I just need to do more re research on it, but yeah, we've advanced a lot, but there's still so, so far to go. Yes, there's, um, there's been definitely been many great changes brought up, brought about, but there, it, like you said, there's so much more stuff that we still need to achieve and do. So, and going off of something you said earlier about how many people say feminism isn't really necessary or that it's become modern day feminism has become corrupt. What do you 
feel is unfair about this society or something that you've personally experienced or seen, that's a reason why we still need feminism today in 2020. Sorry, I just want my answer to be like good. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it is, yeah, okay. Um, why we still need feminism in 2020? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it, right, is what I was talking about earlier, like uh, women leaders and things like the pay gap. But also, the reason why, uh, like as we were talking about earlier, with like intersectionality and whatnot, it's working for, it's trying to fight for everyone, right? Like advancing LGBT rights um, with the Black Lives Matter movement. I think a lot of people woke up and were like, whoa, this is actually still a thing. And I was like, yeah, you've been under a rock this whole time. But I really do think it's just fighting for everyone. And realizing that people have, I don't know, like, as I was saying earlier, people have so much, so many identities and things that, like, they may not want to talk about and, like, things that have happened to them. And just not being scared to, I guess not being scared to be yourself is the real, is the real thing. I mean, of course, also, like, freaking girls in other countries being forced to work for, like, nothing. Um, Haha, we love, like, fast fashion and sweatshops, but in 2020, like in the US specifically, a lot of it is intersectionality and whatnot and stuff like that. I specifically, I don't think I've really experienced any like discrimination, thankfully. Um, I mean, as like a white passing, like cis woman, like it's, I've been really lucky, but I have seen, um, I do have a lot of like uh, mixed race friends who have, especially lately, like with the Black Lives Matter stuff, um, been through a lot and like, they're like actually scared, which just makes me so sad. And yeah, I think a lot of it in 2020 is fighting, fighting for everyone. Yeah, it really can be scary sometimes whenever you see people getting, um murdered because of their skin color and then you have the same skin color too it's like oh no well well me at least because I'm a black woman and then also something else I've noticed is that with all of these social justice issues you know they how they can be um quite draining just seeing all of these problems going on in the world and I wanted to know and I know that you're all about spreading positivity so I wanted to know how do you stay positive throughout all of that and hearing about all of it yeah, I mean, once again, I am like a very privileged, very privileged person. But I guess the way that I try, at least for myself, I know this is something that y'all have probably heard before, but just doing stuff that makes you happy sometimes. Like lately, I've really been making an effort to spend time with my family because I know that that makes me happy and it's it's really important 
Um, but also like listening to fun podcasts that make me happier, like reading, got back to reading over the summer. That was great. I started reading Percy Jackson. That is totally a pleasure thing. Um, but just taking a break and realizing that it's not all on your shoulders. Like, yes, you can make immense change and it's, you have so much power, especially as a young person, you can do so much, but it's not all on you. There are other people out there working for it too. And it's okay if you take a break sometimes, because if you don't take a break, you're going to experience burnout and then you're not going to, you're not going to be able to work for even longer. Um, and I just remind myself of that. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, I definitely do think it's important to just just take a break to do things that make you happy and taking time for yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of relates to the question, I guess. I mean, I think we all experienced like uh, when like the um, the Black Lives Matter movement was really building up over the summer and all that kind of stuff. I think we all experienced like a week or something where it was just, I don't know, it was so hard. And once again, like, I am a white person, like, so I can't imagine what, like, my other, like, friends of color were feeling during that time, so I think it's really good, and, like, it's okay to feel, like, burdened um, sometimes, and be like, whoa, the world is, haha, a terrible place, because you can use that motivation for good, but you gotta take breaks. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like empowerment, that's a word used a lot when referring to feminism and especially regarding women's right and rights and that sort of stuff. So in terms mm-hmm. of empowerment, do you think there's anything in particular that makes you feel empowered as a woman, as a teen or whatever part of your identity? Yeah, definitely feeling like I'm actually doing something. Um, I... I'm lucky, I'm lucky to have a family that, like, we've gone to marches together and stuff like that, but with Generation Ratify, I've felt empowered. I would definitely say that. Um, just being able to see, like, whoa, I'm actually making a difference. Like, I'm actually helped growing this organization. So I really do think if someone is feeling uh, like they can't make a difference, is to get involved with an organization. Um, I would, we would love to have you at Generation Ratify, uh, but maybe Students Demand or March for Our Lives or like another uh, youth organization. It's, it's crazy empowering to be able to actually do things. Uh, I actually posted this on my story, but seeing like, a female going to be in the White House, um, like the day that Biden was officially declared president-elect um, and Kamala's speech, that was, it made me so happy. I think I posted in my story something along, along the lines of like, I'm so happy that I'm alive right now because it's just so cool to see someone like that um, actually be in a position of power and like a daughter of an immigrant. I'm, I guess a third, like my grandparents were immigrants here. Um, 
I think those are the two main things that empower me, actually being able to make a difference and seeing um, like women leaders is really cool. Yes, and I truly love that too. I've actually been thinking about getting involved in some sort of youth, youth-led youth organization um, formed around activism and social activism and, and social issues and that sort of thing. You should come join us. We're currently um, accepting chapter leave. Wait, where do you live? In Texas, North Texas. Yes, you should come join us and you should make a chapter like in your school or whatever. It would be lovely. You can message me after this and we can talk about it. Yes. No pressure, yes. but like the applications are literally currently open. So this is the perfect time. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely think about doing that. And um. Is there anything else you'd just like to add, you know, in general, overall? Any last words? Okay. One, like, thing of, thing of advice. I know probably with Thanksgiving recently, y'all have heard this quite a bit, but I have truly been feeling so grateful lately. I think mostly for the fact that I'm alive, which is a little sad, but with, I started doing a, I've been starting, I've, I started keeping a journal. Um, and I also use this app called, I think it's called happy feed where you can put in, um, things that you're grateful for. And it's just, I think if my number one positivity tip right now is when you wake up, incorporate into your morning routine. I know people have probably told you this before, but it actually really freaking works, at least for me. Just write down three things that you're thankful for. It will totally change your mindset on life. Also, I recently hung up pictures and letters of like my friends and just people that make me happy. Surround yourself with people that you're grateful for and all that kind of stuff. And it'll just it's amazing. I, I don't know, like, of course, I'm not always happy, but I think that's mostly the way that I'm dealing with having to stay home in the pandemic and whatnot is realizing how lucky I am. And yeah, that's my only thing. Just like, there are so many hard things and there will always be hardships. Like we're human. Um, things are always going to happen. I'm not trying to downplay the pandemic to God, like that's insane, but Try to incorporate into your routine, writing down or putting into an app, um, just things that you're grateful for, even if they're super small. It, it builds up and it really affects, uh, really affects, not your personality, like, it affects how you feel. Um, yeah, also, if you wanna join Generation Ratify, you should. Um, I work at the Texas, like branch or whatever, but it's a national organization. We have branches and I'm, I don't know if all of the states, but in most of them. And if there's not a thing in your state, you can just join the national thing. It's awesome. We do a bunch of, uh, we do a bunch of equality work and it's all youth led. So you can meet a lot of other youth activists and I have really enjoyed it, so. Yes, thank you. And gratitude, that is definitely something that's so important. It helps with your mindset and the way you view life. And 
of course, mindset, that's, that's basically everything. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Oh, also, oh. I should probably tell you this after. The, eh, I can include it. You can include it if you want. But I was listening to um, your recent podcast episode because I was trying to prepare for this. <laughs> um, and you were talking about roller derby, I think. Oh, Is yeah. That, yeah. So my mom actually did roller derby. And it was so cool. Like, I used to go to her games. And it's just awesome. Like, if there's, like, a youth thing near you, you should do it. Um, It's very cool. I mean, you can get hurt is the one thing. But I'm pretty sure if you're – wait, how old are you? I'm 15. Yeah, yeah. My sister used to do it, actually. Like, my little sister. I don't know how old she was, but – Oh, that's so cool. That was, like, a couple years ago. So, because our – I think it was – like the Houston roller derby team, they had like a, like a kid's team or something. And it was awesome. Like you get to learn how to skate. You get to wear fun outfits. You could have fun names. Um, I guess that's not really something you could do now because it's a physical sport, but <sighs> for the future. <laughs> yeah. The thing that initially got me interested in roller derby was this one comic I saw. Um, I believe it was called Roller Girl. Yeah. Roller Girl. Yes. <laughs> like the book about the girl with like yes. blue hair yeah it looked so okay much like I have you. read that book probably 10 times and I am not even lying because my mom got it for my little sister for her birthday one year and it's just like it's so lovely so I'm sorry <laughs> well thank you so much for coming here and um yeah of course Oh, yeah. And all of your information will be down below. So whoever's listening to this, make sure you go check out Nabila and Generation Ratify. And of course, make sure to tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. This has been the first of hopefully many more guests on my podcast in a series focusing on, but not limited to, Gen Z creatives and changemakers. Thank you for listening. Thank you.